Well, welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. I am Michael Delaware, your host, and today we're going to explore the history of the cholera epidemic of 1832 that wiped out one half of the population of the village of Marshall. Now, the village of Marshall's population as of the 2010 census is at about 7,000 people. So it's hard to imagine today that there was a time in 1832 that one half of the city of Marshall, or at that time it was the village of Marshall, was wiped out from an epidemic disease that came through Calhoun County. To begin to understand this part of history, it would probably be best to first understand what cholera is. Cholera is a disease that is caused by contaminated drinking water or eating food contaminated with the cholera bacteria. In an epidemic, the source of the contamination is usually the feces of an infected person that contaminates the water or food supply. The disease can spread rapidly in areas where there's inadequate treatment of sewage or drinking water. Cholera has been nicknamed the Blue Death because a person's skin may turn bluish-gray from the extreme losses of fluid that the body goes through when it's infected. How did they treat cholera in the 1800s? Well, sanitation and good hygiene practices such as washing walls and floors, removing the foul-smelling sources of miasmas, decaying waste and sewage, and other cleanliness activities is what actually brought about the control of the pandemic that happened. They also used measures to quarantine or restrict movement of those that were infected. And during that period of time in history, the understanding of maintaining clean water sources and the handling of sewage systems was not something that was fully understood. And it was possible to have sewage get into drinking water and vice versa by drawing from water sources like uh, rivers and streams. And if an infected person came into a community, they could spread the cholera bacteria. So the cholera epidemic of 1832 in the United States began in May of that year when an immigrant ship landed in Quebec with cases of Asiatic cholera aboard. The disease spread through the city of Quebec and quickly up the St. Lawrence River Valley. It also caused a panic spread across the Great Lakes region. It made its way from the St. Lawrence down to the Hudson River to lower Manhattan, where it actually grew and spread. Most of the wealthy residents of Manhattan at the time moved out to the rural areas outside of the city and other parts of the county to avoid getting infected. However, the poorer population, mostly an immigrant population, had no means in which to do that. Additionally, a lot of the doctors and nurses left the city as well because because treatment inside the hospitals, the doctors themselves often became infected. And so it was hard to get nursing staff to give the doctors
doctor's support. So as a result, 3,500 people in New York City, mostly poor immigrants, died during the course of the plague during that time period. Now, as I mentioned, the doctors of the time period were not at all equipped to deal with cholera. Many of them believed that cholera was caused by poisonous vapors from rotting food matter and that it was actually not contagious. So without a clear understanding of how the disease worked, they attempted to treat patients using traditional methods. In addition to bleeding, most doctors gave them medicine such as uh, mercury chloride and laudanum, which was an opiate. However, most infected people died within one or two days of admittance to the hospitals. So out of panic, many of the private hospitals closed down and emergency facilities and schools had to be opened. Doctors treating cholera patients often got infected themselves and nurses became hard to employ. In the Pioneer Collections, which is a reference I have uh, brought up in some of my earlier podcast episodes, there's a reference to the cholera epidemic of 1832. And it's, it states here that the first advent of the cholera in this state, and this is being written by a circuit court judge that he was on the circuit in 1832. And he remembers a Colonel Clark called out the military at Ann Arbor and marched out of the village to the east to stop the stagecoach to prevent the introduction of the disease. So the disease apparently had hit Detroit and in Ann Arbor they were trying to make a stand and stop any kind of traffic heading to the west, particularly Ann Arbor. But despite their best efforts, the disease made its way as far as the village of Marshall, which was ultimately almost depopulated, which I'll get into in a minute. Now, during this time, there were a couple of other factors that were going on. This was during the time of the Great Land Rush in Michigan. Remember, 1831, they introduced land availability in the lower county. So there was this huge rush across Michigan from New York and parts of New England to take advantage of these buying this land, which started in 1831. So when the cholera pandemic arrived in 1832, it of course was carried with it the immigrant population trying to get to these territories and buy land. The other factor that was going on in that same year of 1832 was an incident that involved an Indian uprising called the Black Hawk War. And it was an incident that happened between over in the area of Kalamazoo, Allegan, and in Battle Creek, and ultimately in Van Buren County is where it ended up getting resolved. But during that same summer, we had this fear that was passed around of the Indians in 1832 because of this Black Hawk uprising. Apparently, the Indians involved in that faction had uh, killed some people over in the Kalamazoo, Allegan area, and they were threatening to kill more people. And there was some militia that went out to go oppose them and that sort of thing. And that's probably a whole other story for an entirely different podcast episode. But that factor was going on at the same time. You had this balance of, are you afraid of the Black Hawk uprising or are you afraid of the cholera epidemic? And the general view of the settlers is they were more afraid of the Indians than they were afraid of getting a disease because they didn't understand the magnitude of what cholera really was. And ultimately, cholera did more devastation to them than the Indians ever did. And in fact, the distraction that was caused by the cholera epidemic in 1832 is said to have delayed Michigan's 
progress into getting into statehood by a couple of years, and the pace for that didn't pick up again until 1834. Now, I looked into several different articles over the years to try to piece together the story of what actually happened in Marshall in that period of time in 1832. And I first heard mention of this when I was researching the history of Sands McCamley, because for two years he and his wife had moved to Marshall, and it was during 1832, and his wife and his child became infected with cholera, and he nearly lost them both. So that was quite a hardship going on with him, and this was before he even was able to acquire his half of the Guernsey Purchase and build the canal, which he did in 1835. So that was the first mention that I found of the cholera epidemic. So I started digging into it further, and of course I found it in the Pioneer Collections, and then I started researching local newspapers, you know, because they often would write articles reflecting back, and so you'd have these people that were either had relatives that were raised or born in that period of time, and then they would write articles years later uh, looking back. So you get a lot of information pieced together from different time periods about it. So I'm going to jump around on different years here to try to tell you the story here. January 1st, 1934, there's an article that was in the Battle Creek Inquirer and the Evening News, and the title of the article was Half of the Town Died in a Month, What the Forefathers Went Through. The hardships of the pioneers, seemingly almost insurmountable today, were made doubly hard in the year 1832 by the epidemic of the dread cholera. More than half of the population of Marshall died in the month of June from this disease, and at the small settlement of Dry Prairie near Battle Creek, an entire family of five persons and a neighbor died within a short time. The disease spread throughout the countryside. The few doctors in the county knew little of the disease, neither how it came nor how to treat it. When it first struck Marshall, a doctor was sent to Detroit to learn how to control the epidemic, but was taken sick and died shortly after his return. It was difficult to find anyone who would risk his life to care for the sick or to bury the dead. One sad story was recalled in the histories of Calhoun County of the death of the young wife of the Reverend John D. Pierce. Her husband and Randall Hobart buried her during the night with no assistance from anyone else. Her death was deeply felt because of her sunny disposition and the fact that she sang favorite hymns and songs at all gatherings, social and religious. That was another factor that was going on. They didn't have anyone to take care of the sick because of the risk of getting the disease. And then when somebody died, nobody wanted to bury the body, which probably also contributed to the spread of the disease that summer because the bacteria is on the infected person or in the infected person too. So that's um, partly why there was uh, issues because they didn't really understand the origins of the disease and what was really going on. Now, another article that was written in February of 1876 refers to the summer of 1832. And he says there was quite a rush for lands until the cholera broke out in June when a full half of the population of Marshall died of cholera. One whole family named Nichols in the extreme southwest corner of the county also perished. 
And then, then he goes on to describe how people were avoiding Marshall and taking their millwork over to Vicksburg and Flowerfield to do all their milling, and the Marshall mills slowed down. Then the Comstock mills were started later that same year because of that. And it just kind of, everybody was kind of avoiding Marshall because it seemed to be this area of where the pandemic was. Now, I came across a very interesting letter to the editor that was written in 1879, and it was run in the Battle Creek Daily Journal, and it was written by a Dr. John Brown, who was looking back in retrospect at his time during the cholera epidemic. And so I'm just going to read you the letter because I think it offers some really fascinating insight into one of the experiences of a doctor here in Michigan. And I don't know exactly where this happened. He makes reference of having to travel down a river three miles to a village. Perhaps he was going to Marshall or perhaps he was going to some other part of Michigan where the epidemic had spread. But here's what he wrote. Uh, Dr. John Brown writes that he never can forget an incident during the cholera. 32. One morning, a sailor came to say, I must go three miles miles down the river to a village where it had broken out with great fury. Off I set. We rode in silence down the dark river. The men rode with all their might, and they, and they had too many dying or dead at home to have the heart to speak to me. We got near the place. It was very dark, but I saw a crowd of men and women on the shore at the landing place, all shouting for the doctor. We were near the shore when I saw a big old man, his hat off, his hair gray, his head partly bald. He said nothing, but turning them all off with his arm, he plunged into the sea, and before I knew, he had me in his arms. I was helpless as an infant. He waded out with me, carrying me high up in his left arm and in his right leveling every man or woman who stood in his way. It was Big Joe carrying me to see his grandson, Little Joe. He bore me off to the poor, convulsed boy and dared me to leave him till he was better. He did get better, but Big Joe was dead that night. He had the disease on him when he carried me away from the boat, but his heart was set upon the boy. I can never forget how terribly in earnest he was. And that was the end of his letter. So it kind of gives a, an insight into the sheer despair and panic of those around when their loved ones were ill and they couldn't do anything about it. And the hope that maybe a doctor who might know something could do something about the situation. Now, there was an article that was published in 1911 about cholera in America. And this was run in the Battle Creek Daily Moon. And the article has a very interesting insight into the history of cholera and the epidemic that came to America. And it had, it had come to America at later times as well. There was another epidemic that almost wiped out New Orleans in 1848. So, but this, this article is quite interesting where he's talking about the cholera epidemic of 1832 to 1833. He says, New York's city was thrice been the gateway for cholera to the United States. The first epidemic was in 1832 and 1833. In the great 
pot known as civilization cholera. It would seem has always been a sediment lying idly and inconspicuously at the bottom until some great human activity like war, a fair, or a great gathering of people from many parts of the world creates a stir that raises the deadly sediment and causes it to poison the entire mass. The first cholera epidemic in North America is traced to wars in Poland in 1830. The disease spread throughout Europe and thence to America. It is estimated that 3,000 persons died in America in two years. And then he goes into the second epidemic that occurred in New Orleans in 1848. But I thought that was interesting insight of what they were thinking about it in, in 1911, um, because the other article that I was reading at the beginning of this episode was taken from the New York City Library, and they referred to it as having come from an Asiatic source, and Poland is certainly not in Asia. So that's quite interesting to um, to hear their take on it back in 1911. Now you're probably wondering exactly how many people died in Marshall, and I was curious about that because most of the articles didn't even refer to the count. I did find the reference to the family of five plus a neighbor that died in the Battle Creek area. And then finally I came across an article that was written in 1953 in the Battle Creek Inquirer and the Evening News. And it was just a snippet inside of another article. The article was talking about the highlights of Marshall and the, and the very first that it had for Calhoun County. And it says that one of them was the first death occurring in October of 1832 as the, as the dread cholera ravaged the settlement here and took Isaac Hurd, a pioneer, as one of his victims. All told, 14 settlers and children died from the disease. Now that doesn't quite align with the other references on the subject that said the disease hit in June and it was through the month of June that most of these people died. So the facts of the 1953 article would seem to be inaccurate in regards to the time of year, but as far as the number of people that died, it appears that the number was 14. That was the only reference I could find to it. And considering that the village size was must have been less than 30 people, 35 people at that point in 1832, that would be why they would say half the village, which seems quite dramatic when we look at the population of Marshall today being 9,000 to have, oh my gosh, if we had 4,500 people die, that would be quite something. So that's not exactly what we're talking about. But the impact of the time, when you're talking a village of people, you know, working shoulder to shoulder and building a community, building mills, working side by side. Everybody's building houses together and you've got 30, maybe 40 people there and 14 of them die from cholera in the month of June. That's quite something. And that's, you know, that's going to cause a lot of people to leave the area, which can also lower your population. So I found this other interesting article that was written in 1885 and it ran in the Sunday morning call. And it's kind of funny because it's somewhat misleading. It implies that a doctor wrote it and it says to the editors of the Sunday morning call and it's signed by doctor. It doesn't say what the doctor's name was. So I'm going to read you the article because it's it's quite interesting and there's a lot of facts in it, you know, and try to try to reflect on some of the experiences that perhaps we've all had in the last couple of years as we have had to navigate through the whole COVID thing. And this 
article written in 1885 conveys a very interesting message here. And so I'm going to let you just make your own decision about it. But here, the title of this letter to the editor was called Cholera and Intemperance. And here's what he says. In pursuing your article on the cholera and the opinions of our city physicians on the preventatives, I was surprised that not one of them hit the mark or the most obvious mark. While cleanliness of person and premises is absolutely necessary to avoid all diseases and especially contagious diseases, temperance is more important of all preventatives. Temperance in eating, drinking, and every habit. The best protection against disease is derived from a natural, healthy, unfluctuating state of vital action sustained by plain articles of nutriment taken at regular intervals, uninfluenced by any innutritious stimulus which operates upon the whole nervous power. The habitual use of spirits, tobacco, opium, etc. creates a multitude of chronic and subacute organic irritations and derangements upon which acute disease is most easily, nay, often necessarily, engrafted. Hence, intemperance exposes people to the exciting causes of inflammatory epidemic and contagious diseases and consequently are more liable to an attack. And when attacked, having the vital forces unnecessarily wasted, they die in larger numbers. These results are noticed in epidemic pluseries, lung fever, and especially cholera. In 1832, I had quite an experience with the last named disease at Syracuse and vicinity when it was raging there with fearful results and the evidence of the pernicious influence of, of all intoxicants was most appalling. Signed, Dr. He seemed to be quite up on his stump when he wrote that letter. And I think it's quite interesting. Now, the result of the cholera epidemic was that it essentially ran its course. People got into the habit of cleaning a lot and it just kind of died away. And as mentioned before, things seemed to get back on track by the end of that year. And then there was more focus on industry and getting back into the path to statehood for the state. And the cholera epidemic kind of fell behind in the history books and was forgotten about. So that's what I was able to find out about the cholera epidemic of 1832. That's going to kind of conclude today's episode on the subject. If you found this story interesting, please be sure to subscribe in whatever manner is available to you on the application that you're listening to this podcast on because my podcast is available on a lot of different platforms now, Spotify, Apple, and there's probably a subscribe button there. So certainly subscribe so you can get more episodes. I will be releasing new podcast episodes on Tales of Southwest Michigan's past on Tuesdays and Fridays. So I hope you will join me. If you'd like to find out more about me, you can check out some of the links below. I have a website link that I'll include in this description, as well as as a link to my YouTube channel where you can see a lot of the videos that I've created over the past year on local history in the Battle Creek area. I hope you'll join me the next time as we venture into history. Thanks for listening. <laughs>